0: Welcome back everybody to another edition of the Started Up Podcast. Excited today to bring you Johnny Crowder. Um, He is many things, including a musician, an entrepreneur, and we're going to get into all that good stuff, but wanted to welcome you to the show. Thank you, Mr. Crowder, for being here.
1: I am so excited to finally do this.
0: (laughs) This is a rarity in the sense that normally I'll like do a pre-call with a guest but i haven't spent this much time with a guest before a show so like i i'm, I'm really glad that i've gotten to know you at a deeper level before the podcast so yeah, yeah equally but, as excited
1: but i still bet that you can't tell the listeners what my favorite cereal is
0: no can we get to that later i mean like are we gonna bring that up I, like subtly, let's bring that up suddenly we we'll, to, yeah like
1: we have to cliffhanger it. Like if if these listeners really want to know, they have to listen the whole episode. We'll tell them. Yeah, the no skipping right.
0: forward. Right, or maybe those put it somewhere so they don't skip to the end. I don't know. We'll get Ooh, to I it. Like we'll get to it. Um, I'm gonna put the uh, Vegas odds on Cap'n Crunch, and notice I said Cap'n, not Captain. So
1: yeah, you use the Queen's English for that. Thank Respect. you. Thank you.
0: Let's jump in. So your background as, and, and again, I'll, I'll actually give credit to Christ too. I got an introduction to Ian Adair. Ian has, uh is a friend of the uh, show and, and been on the podcast and is an all-around great guy. Um, shout out to his organization uh, there at Grace Point Foundation. But he's like, you gotta connect with this guy, Johnny Crowder, his story is amazing. What he's doing is even more amazing. Um, so I'll tee that up for you. Tell us a little bit about Cope Notes and the stories behind that
1: well shout out ian thank you for the love and also ian has been a wonderful friend to cope notes so anyone who doesn't know me and isn't familiar with cope notes i'll try to make this like a very short 30 second explanation so basically i grew up in and out of treatment for mental illness i went to school for psychology to try to figure out what the heck was going on with me. And then I wound up working in peer support and public advocacy and eventually accidentally founded a tech startup called Cope Notes, which is um, we we provide daily mental health support via text message for big groups and organizations like governments and school districts all the way down to individuals like you and me.
0: That is the really short version. Um, now let's get into the deeper. Well, first of all, I'm struck with the fact that sometimes when people I'm gonna really me use the word self-medicate uh your interest in psychology and you wanting to figure out what's going on with me uh, is interesting what what brought you to that
1: it was actually i you know I wish I could say it was like through the noble pursuit of knowledge and self-actualization but really it was like, you know, I was convinced that my doctors were wrong. (laughs) So I was like, you know what, dude, you don't know, you wouldn't know schizophrenia if it kicked your door down. So I'm going to go to school and I'm going to learn about psychology and I'll show you. And then of course I went to school for psych and realized that all my doctors were correct. So it kind of backfired, but in the long run, it worked out.
0: I think that is though a noble pursuit of self-actualization, like (laughs) ironically, right? I mean, it's kind of the extreme version of self-discovery. Like
1: Yeah, there, there was definitely also a part of me that like, I, I'm being facetious, but there was an element of truth there where I just didn't want to believe that I was living with the diagnoses that I was diagnosed with. So I did want to like disprove that, but I also wanted to do something to help people who were experiencing similar things. And I looked at, you know, I would look at clinicians in my teens and think like, oh, you know, these people with their nice cars and their happy families and their picket fences, like they don't know what it's like. And then um, as I got older, I was like, I'm gonna be the cool clinician. Like I'm gonna become a therapist and then I'll be the therapist that everybody trusts. And then as I got older and started working with clinicians, I'm like, oh, so many clinicians grew up with mental illness. Like that's why a lot of people start working in the behavioral health space in the first place.
0: Huh, wow. That uh, okay, that's um, actually didn't know that and I have a healthy respect for those who literally want to see the world be better. And so you go about the what you want to see better in the world. So that's amazing. Um, so which in a, in a chicken and egg way, which came first your I am going to put time into music because it is a great therapeutic angle. Or were you already into music and then discovered the, I want to help people on the mental health side?
1: I started playing guitar when I was eight and I loved music long before then. I was just kind of like addicted to it, but I didn't actually realize like the therapeutic aspect of it, like the real mental and emotional benefit of expressing yourself and engaging with art till probably like high school, even in middle school, I was writing all the time, but I don't think I was aware of how much it was actually helping me until high school. I was like, Whoa, this is kind of a coping mechanism for me.
0: Okay. Well, by the way, notes to our, our, our listeners, I was not preassuming that music was therapeutic for you. You had mentioned that to me in a, in a prior conversation. Um, but <laughs> I do have to address something that I, um, you came as advertised before I got to meet you. I was told how incredibly nice and kind you were. And I'm not saying this in a pandering way, but you lived up those expectations. You were very thoughtful. You were listening to your, um, well, let's just put it that, like, I remember at the first conference we went to the startup of the year there in Tampa, you had a fan gallery. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but I noticed how gracious and kind you were. And I was like, Oh man, this guy is super is awesome. Um, I then went home after being a, uh, really impressed with you and cope notes and then I dug deeper into I mean like I you know dug more into your work um how about I do this I'm gonna play a small sample of your music so our listeners will understand my then um, shock and awe and confusion is not a
1: game. there are no winners don't bother to play
0: okay so yeah, I played that clip because I thought, you know, Johnny, who loves people, who is there to help, the, uh, the heavy, heavy metal thing was like, okay, I didn't, hmm, <laughs> has that been, um, d- explain to me that juxtaposition of this unbelievably nice persona, which by the way, I shouldn't say persona, this unbelievably nice person to music, to some might consider a little bit um, scary.
1: Yeah, And if
0: my late 40s are showing, apologies.
1: No, this, I get this a lot. A lot of people are like, wow, you're so soft-spoken. How do you scream on stage? And it's kind of like, you know, um, I mean, imagine if you met like uh, someone who practices Kung Fu or Jiu-Jitsu and you're like, whoa, how come you're not fighting everybody at the office? And it's like, cause that's <laughs> like, there are different avenues and different environments for different behaviors. And of course, I wouldn't fight anybody at work. I'm at work when I'm practicing martial arts. I'm practicing martial arts. So I kind of feel the same way about metal. Like you know, I well, I guess that's not exactly the same thing because I listen to death metal at work all the time. So maybe that's not a great comparison.
0: I no, keep going on that though. I, I want to I want to hear you elaborate that because like I think the point you were kind of making is is that that the 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 heavy metal that you know the really heavy stuff is kind of a, a release in its own right and it's not necessarily meant to scare people off but to be that emotional you know letting go
1: yeah one thing I've always liked about heavy music like punk and hardcore and metal is and it's not true of every band or every song even but there's a lot of raw honesty in metal and hardcore where it's really like you're just kind of bearing your soul. And when I was growing up, I had really severe anger issues and I needed a healthy outlet, like some way to channel that frustration and anger and heavy music just made me feel so powerful and understood at the same time. And that's carried with me. Like, you know, people are very surprised. I'm like clean and sober. So I don't drink or smoke or anything like that. I'm a big Jesus freak. a cross tattooed on my face and i always wear shirts that say like jesus loves you and stuff and i always do mental health awareness and like i'm always volunteering with kids and stuff and people are like what the heck like this is the death metal dude i'm like 100 balance baby
0: (laughs) yin and yang i love it no i man i i'm so i'm glad you addressed that because um When I got back home, I'm like, it was with my wife. And, um, you know, we're sitting here watching TV and I fired up the YouTube and I'm like, hey, you you gotta check out this guy I met. And so, um, you know, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I, uh, at first, before I met you, kind of acknowledged and listened to a few things here and there from the TED Talk. Deeply listened to your TED talk, which is why when I met you again a couple weeks later, I'm like, dude, I should have done a little bit more research the first time I met you. But was really, by the way, I'll, I'll include a link in in the notes. Got to hear the TED talk; it was amazing, or I should say, your first TED talk. You've now gone on to do another. Oh, yeah. um, but then my wife was like, oh, 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 I thought you said he wasn't angry. As <laughs> we had we we listened to a couple songs, um, but like that answer makes a lot of sense. And actually, the, the, the the you know, meeting, well, ironically enough, uh, Alicia and I really had a good friend that he used to be in the UFC eight years ago. Nicest, soft-spoken guy. Also, very, very faithful, um, actually had a really strong faith and was actually really up front, but it was on the show, The Ultimate Fighter. Um, same thing, like, he is such a soft-spoken, quiet guy that uh, you're like, you're not parading around with your shirt off and wanting to kill people. But yeah. so, that that answer stuck with me. Um So, okay, so here's a a young man trying to figure things out, goes into his own self discovery of his own mental health, his own mental health needs. Um, you go to school for it, you're in a band, you're, you're balancing all that stuff. How did the, like, what were the origin stories or um, the like origin idea of cope notes? And like, what was your first iteration of that, of how you could do cope notes?
1: it was nothing even close to what it is now. Like not even in the same world. So I was doing peer support for years and that's basically where someone with lived experience with mental illness talks to someone else who is experiencing a similar mental illness, basically that's it. So I was doing lots of that type of like volunteer work and advocacy and then I wanted to, yeah, I was on tour with my band And I was doing that on the road. And then I was like, man, it would be great to like organize this. So it's not just like a big line of random people at the merch table every night for hours. Like it'd be great to put some structure around this. And then I created something called better people, which you probably can't even Google anything about because it hardly even ever existed in the first place. It was, it did not go well. It did not scale well. And then eventually I, started something called not a therapist, which was kind of like um, peer support, but digitally. So I could help people even when I wasn't in their city, but then that wasn't scaling either. So the first version of Cope Notes was actually just a feature for not a therapist, but it was the only feature that I felt I could scale further than the rest of them. Like when I'm listed out all the things I wanted not a therapist to do, my buddy, uh, Jim Blake, asked me, um, which feature, which part of your idea do you think could help the most people the fastest? I was like, oh, definitely the texting part. And he's like, okay, so just focus there for a while. And then like four years later, <laughs> it is like the entire product.
0: So before we go into the like, what is Cope Notes and, and how you know that's going, I, I do have to say like, I, I didn't know some of these other two ideas that you're trying to start up, where did the entrepreneurial bug start? I mean, to be fair, most of my episodes are about entrepreneurship and innovation, but like, I, I didn't know there's this many iterations. Where, where did the journey of entrepreneurship and wanting to grow and scale something start?
1: Um, When I was a kid, I would make and sell bookmarks at my school. And then when I got a little older, I used to make marshmallow guns out of PVC with my friends, and then paint them, and then literally go door to door <laughs> and sell them. Of course, no, we're like knocking on door. We're children, and we're going up to like knocking on the doors of these adults' houses, and they're like, "I don't need a marshmallow gun that a sixth grader made. <laughs> like, get out of here." Um, and it, just my whole life, I've been I've been really intent on like creating things. other people to enjoy and i think that's one thing that drew me to music was i can make something like a song and then go out and and put it into people's hands like obviously not physical hands if it's a you know audio but a way to like put something into the world that didn't exist and then have other people enjoy it like i've always been fascinated with that idea and even in my band, I was designing our album covers and album booklets and merchandise and naming our songs. And I was very had a ha, I had a hand in all of the creative components. I never wanted to start a business. It was like never a desire. But when I look back at my life, I'm like, shoot, I guess I've kind of always been trying to start a business. I just didn't know that.
0: Yeah, I, I and I'm not saying this. Um, well, actually, maybe I just don't know enough musicians. A lot of times when I've met musicians, they, boy, they could use that entrepreneurial help or, you know, um, yeah, they could use the entrepreneurial help, like, you know, team stake and team sizzle. Like there's some people that really get marketing. They just don't necessarily how to build a product. And I mm-hmm. see a lot of times as musicians, man, they know how to make a product, you know, how to record, produce all that good stuff. But um, sometimes their own business savvy is, is, is not quite there. It seems like yeah. you're you're a combination thereof. Okay. So then let's dive in. You know, what is Cope Notes? Um, and, and then please, I'm almost asking you to re-explain it in the way you told me about the the deficit and there not being enough mental health help out there.
1: I don't even know if I'll remember what I said to you. Oh, before. me,
0: you're okay. I'll tee it up. Like, you're like, you know, we don't have enough mental health counselors. At capacity already, and I think really you were talking to me through the lens of students, probably, um, with our mm-hmm. our you know school counselors and all that stuff. But yeah, I, I guess I shouldn't I shouldn't for like 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 shepherd you towards the, the answer that I want. But you know, explain to people what Cope Notes is and how it works.
1: Yeah, the um, well, I'll start by saying I think the capacity thing is pretty relevant as to why I would even create something in the first place. Because trust me, I looked for something like code Notes. And I would so much rather not build a thing. I'd so much rather like just help support someone else's thing if it already exists. Like I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel if it was already out there. I only made it because it didn't exist. And I think the capacity thing comes down to the fact that we've like optimized the behavioral health landscape for a small percentage of people. So if you think about like one of the main critiques of like the American financial system is like, oh, it benefits like a very small percentage of people at the top. And I think behavioral health, similarly, we've created this ecosystem that very, that benefits people who are comfortable enough with their own mental health to engage in treatment. And also further qualifications include having transportation to get to an appointment, knowing what your schedule will be like, or having a smartphone to do a virtual appointment, appointment, or having insurance or having money, or being comfortable with your personal health information being collected by a provider. like, And you just see that percentage of people that you can serve get smaller and smaller and smaller as you add all of those qualifications. And I was like, well, yeah, that's great that we offer those things for those people, but we already don't have enough resources for those small amounts of people. So what about like the 90 plus percent of people who maybe aren't comfortable with booking treatment or don't know what their schedule will be like, or don't have hundreds of dollars per month to put towards behavioral health and don't have smartphones. And all of a sudden you realize there's like millions and millions of people who aren't being served. And we kind of say to them, like, you can either get all those things to fit into that bucket to get treatment, or you can just kind of wait around until things get so bad that you need to use a crisis resource. And I'm like, what a completely broken and backwards and confused. Like, dude, imagine if there were no tire pumps anywhere and you just had to wait for your tires to explode. Like that's basically what the behavioral health system in America is like, like you, there's a bunch of tire stores, but no tire fill up stations, no tire repair shops, you know?
0: Yeah, you're waiting on a bent rim or an explosion. Dude, you and your analogies between <laughs> martial arts and, and tire pumps. No, I I love that. And and I love it even more because again, I it really dawned on me when I was listening when when I was there in Tampa to listen to your second TED Talk, which by the way, kudos. Um, but I was listening to all those people before you went as well, and it, it just really occurred to me. The entrepreneurial journey is its own mental health struggle as it is. Um, and I loved it because you have merged two areas. You saw a need and you saw other people, like I, I, I'm I'm listening to you, and you're like you didn't want other people to wait around and went through what you went through because not a lot of people decide to say, Hey, I want to make myself better and I'm gonna go and study this in college or whatever. Mm-hmm. Secondly, the entrepreneurial angle just blew my mind. So, as I was listening to these other people that also were on the TED stage, that that it really dawned on me that. A lot of times, um, it's I, I saw the need for the mental health side of it before you could jump into the entrepreneurial realm because I'm here to tell you, man, I, like there's one thing that we've been blessed with is knowing a lot of entrepreneurs over the last you know seven or eight years, and that is a lonely, freaking journey. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's like sometimes I, f- I feel f- weird at in introducing uh, students into the entrepreneurial realm because. It's it's It can be horrible. Now, however, I'm wanting them to build teams and understand that they don't have to go alone, et cetera, et cetera. But it just really dawned on me that a lot of people, if they could use that extra help, um, I know the word stigma is thrown around a lot and, and I understand why, but like reducing that and saying, look, I need to get my mind right before I go on this entrepreneurship journey. Um, and that just really, really, really occurred to me that um, that is a... It like, almost should be in the textbook of like, so you want to be an entrepreneur. First of all, find a counselor or someone you can confide in and make sure your head's on straight before you go on this unbelievable arduous journey.
1: I was doing this press interview last week and they asked me, what's the hardest thing done? And I was like, well, let's see. Um, Survive multiple suicide attempts. I was abused my entire life. Um, you know, like, where do I even start? And then I was like, honestly, this, Mm. like this exact thing that I am doing right now, the Mm. thing that you're, the reason you're interviewing me is because I built something and building the thing is the hardest thing I've ever done. It has like stretched and squished my brain and my heart in so many different directions. And I am, I am better for it. I know that, but I will never pretend that this is always going to be easy or fun or anything. Well, actually this might get me in trouble, but someone asked, um, whenever people ask me what my advice is for young entrepreneurs who want to start a business, my advice is don't do this. (laughs) Like if you can, if you can have a normal job, like a nine to five and you close your computer at five Oh one and you have weekends off and you take Paid holidays, and you know, you just have this awesome work life balance, you get health insurance through your employer, and all this stuff. Dude, if you can do that and be happy, you it would be a crime to not take advantage of that. But if you are the type of strange, discombobulated human that cannot do that, that cannot sit and just be happy with that you are forced to constantly create things and your brain is always running at a million miles an hour and you just want to get your hands dirty and then do a trillion jobs if you're that type of weirdo then basically don't start a company unless you yeah. can't not start one you know
0: yeah okay so i'm going to uh, push back a little bit on that because i agree with you in brain in some ways i agree with you um is that that's why we are so focused and I'm not trying to make this an advertisement for, you know, startup foundation, but in our curriculum, that is why we are so focused on team building as well. Um, My role as CEO and trying to make sure the culture here is like, I'm not going to make this personal, but we had one of our persons on our team that was um, going through some stuff and and she apologized of like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Take the time. Matter of fact, you know, if we want to talk. So uh, I, I think that in some ways being on a great entrepreneurial team can help that being a solopreneur. Yeah, man, that's tough. So like, I, I think that's why we're so high on teams. Yeah. Um, but no, but, but even like what you're going through, and I know you've got, you know, a team, um, it, like, I think the pressure of what you're doing is, um, everybody wants, uh, Johnny story and a piece of you because, I think what what's so compelling about Cope Notes, and my gosh, I keep having these side conversations. We haven't really dug deep into what Cope Notes is, but but I I, I think that that's part of the pressure is that there's an enormous amount on you because people are like, what you represent is what a lot of people go through. They can just put a picture behind it, or a face behind it, or a song behind it. And I think that, and I'm not trying to like like diagnose of like how hard it is for you to run this, but I can see why that's an issue. Like you're you're a it's you that people identify in you, your TED talk is incredibly moving. Um, and I'm not saying that to say like is incredibly moving um, that I think that there is that pressure to say, I need this for other people, but that everybody kind of wants you and your story and, and um, I can see why that's stressful.
1: I think pressure and fulfillment are kind of inextricably linked, mm. like If I was building a like fun sock company, right, where we sell like goofy socks and it's like, oh, we're doing a new giraffe sock launch and everybody get ready for the new, you know, if that was my job, I would not be under a lot of pressure, honestly. Um, But I would not be super fulfilled because it wouldn't be so personally, um, I wouldn't be so personally invested in it. And then as you move up that scale like the more personally invested you are oftentimes the more pressure you feel yeah to provide relief to the pain point that you experience personally so i've never had a day where i woke up and couldn't find the perfect fair pair of goofy socks and it ruined my day yeah. so someone who has felt that pain point basically the closer you are to having experienced that pain point firsthand the more pressure you feel to deliver for the people who turn to you for help? Because that's what you set out to do is not necessarily to build a business, but to relieve pain.
0: Mm, that resonates with me. Ooh, okay. That made a lot of sense. I like in some ways, the journey I took of being a classroom teacher and wanting a class that allowed students to pursue their own interest and them identify the skills that they wanted to do, me not being able to grow and scale it to every freaking state in America is its own pain point because I know there's a lot of students and quite frankly, I identify with the C and D students. Why? Because that was me <laughs> until, until my dad gave me the, I'm disappointed in you talk uh, my sophomore year of high school. Thank you, dad, for doing that. I love you. Um, but uh, no, that, I really resonate with that. Like that that's what sometimes drives me nuts is that those C and D students sometimes walk away feeling less than because the, they think that they're a reflection of their grade and they're not. So sorry, I did. I made that about me. You're my guest. But like that that answer really, really resonated on sometimes my feelings of frustration and, and not building the scaling fast enough. So thank you mm-hmm. for that. Okay, Cope Notes. So you got this idea. Um, it was a byproduct of another startup you have, and it was the thing that you're getting validation. Walk me through the process and how Cope Notes works.
1: So, again, layman's terms. Oh, I should also clarify and say that the first two versions of Copnotes were not even startups, really. Like, they were just, they hardly even exist. Like, both were less than a year long. They never really got, like, n- not a therapist had maybe 100 plus people use it over the course of a year. So, they, I wanted to clarify that I'm not, like, a th- time tech founder. I'm really not. Stop,
0: stop, Um, stop. Because everybody had their unicorn and everybody started something. So I, I'm going (laughs) to disagree with you. I have met so many air quote entrepreneurs like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a serial entrepreneur. And their first four ideas were just that anyway, give yourself some credit. You actually started something. You just didn't have a $4.5 billion evaluation in idea number one. So (laughs) you're fine. That's
1: fair. That's fair. I think Cope Notes is the first one where I was like, oh shoot, this is like going to be a full-time job for me and lots of other people for years to come. It was like the first one where it really like shook me awake, but basically, um, you know how, have you ever heard of automatic negative thought, Don?
0: I'm searching my brain on that automatic negative thought now.
1: So Uh, you're probably familiar with the phenomenon because pretty much everyone experiences it. It's little thoughts like, um, Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Or my laugh is annoying. Or like, what if there's traffic tomorrow? Like those kind of small nagging thoughts that seem to be negative in nature and um, the human brain tends to generate lots of these thoughts. So roughly 80% of our daily thoughts are negative in nature and really what Coke Notes is setting out to do is interrupt and challenge those existing negative thoughts and train the brain to think in healthier patterns instead. Because if you think about it, things like depression, anxiety, stress, loneliness, frustration, anger, guilt, shame, whatever, all of those things are exacerbated by pervasive negative thought. So if we can train the brain to kind of identify and attack negative thoughts much the same way that let's say i think it's white blood cells that identify and attack illness and virus right i think so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna say yes i'm gonna say it's the white blood cells but anyway we're basically training the brain to combat depression anxiety loneliness with these simple short text messages that are written by real people, not a robot or a chatbot or AI written by real people with lived experience and then delivered at random times. And basically we surprise the brain enough times in enough ways over a long enough period of time that your brain rearranges its synapses to prioritize coping skills and resilience. It's pretty cool.
0: Okay. So, um, by the way i did not know that you did it at random times so you can surprise people that actually makes a lot of sense so they're not you know, like oh, yeah. always expecting it at the same time every day um and so uh what what are what are like what's then the user experience on their end and then what's what's the follow up what happens
1: well i mean i mean put yourself in put yourself in my shoes right like i'm um, no don't put yourself in my shoes put yourself in your shoes let's say you're driving to an appointment and traffic is bad and you're going to be late and you're already stressed because you don't feel like you were prepared enough. And you're just kind of going over and over in your head, like, don't mess up. I just need to remember to say this and I need to make eye contact. And I really have to have a firm handshake and you're just stressed out of your mind. And then you get a, your phone buzzes and you're like, now what, what as if I need one more thing to worry about what, and you look at your phone and it's a text message and maybe that text message is from Cope Notes. And maybe that text says something like, um, you know, rubbing the center of your forehead just above your eyes for 45 seconds firmly with your thumb can help alleviate stress and lower your blood pressure. And you're like, what the heck? I never knew that. I am literally gonna try that right now. And you wind up walking into that appointment chill as a cucumber because there was some type of intervention that helped you check in with yourself and calm down. That's just one example. We have like hundreds and hundreds of different types of exercises and journaling prompts and psychology facts and all sorts of things to help you learn all of these different ways to cope and build kind of a tool belt to dig into every time you feel distressed.
0: Interesting. So you said journaling opportunities. Um, do you like have a journaling section or you tell them or instruct them to go to a certain like, you know, Microsoft Word or something like that?
1: Dog, it's all in the text thread. So you you can text right back in that text message thread with Cope Notes, the answer to the journaling prompt. Nice. And you do know, it right there.
0: So even if you like text to speech, you're like, okay, I'm really freaking fired up. I'm in my car. Here's how I'm feeling right now. Boom. It's right there. You can do it right there.
1: Oh, yeah. And then the coolest part, what I think is really cool is you can always like scroll back in your text thread and see like past journal entries. And like, I mean, there have been times when I'll get a text from Cope Notes. And I probably shouldn't say this because I'm the freaking founder and CEO of the whole thing. And I invented it. But sometimes I'll get a text message and think like, okay, that's cool. It doesn't really apply to my life in this exact moment. But that's pretty cool. And then like, A week and a half later, something will happen in my life, and I will recall that text and Mm. go, oh, shoot, that's what this text is talking about. Now I get to employ it. So it's basically creating a database of coping skills and strategies inside of your brain. And this way, you don't have to go to freaking college or treatment to learn some of these things. You can just read a text message every day and take 15, 30 seconds a day to really round out your arsenal of weaponry that you can turn to every time you start feeling that distress. Awesome.
0: Okay. So for our listeners, and this is where I was like, no, um, this is a point we can flex, right? So let's go okay brag a little bit. How many active uh, users do you have? Great question.
1: This is why we keep it on our website. So I don't, I, so I don't have to remember. (laughs) As
0: I look it up. Yeah. On our
1: website right now. By the uh, way, plug the website. Yeah. It's copenotes.com and you can, so you can always see our three primary measures of success. So you can see them, the numbers, the number of text messages we've exchanged the the amount of countries we have reached so we have users in 97 countries right now um and the lives impacted so we have exchanged 1,268,582 text messages with 22,304 people in 97 countries around the world
0: Twenty two thousand active actual users that's that is amazing i mean that's yeah that's uh you
1: say we say lives impacted that's we try to be very (laughs) careful about how you know you might hear us say users or subscribers uh, i agree when you go to the website you'll see lives impacted and that's how we talk about it internally
0: i like that no that's funny it reminds me of i was watching an interview with prince and they're asking about his fans and he goes you know what Fans is short for fanatical and uh, that makes them seem like that they're not a human being. So I like to call them my friends, which is funny because Prince sometimes mm. wasn't the most <laughs> accommodating person, but he had said that once and I liked it. Um,
1: also, yes. he is one of the very few artists that actually does have people who are like fanatical about him.
0: I could name you several other bands that also
1: fit that description, but... Uh, you said Prince? Yeah. He's like one of the biggest artists of all time for him no, to I, say they're not fans they're friends is, is like a wild flat. <laughs> like if, if that's true for him, yeah. then no metal band yeah. has ever had fans. It's yeah, all a yeah, friend. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm just saying, I'm just like pushing back on the, he has a fan base that is fanatical. Um, yeah, I, I've seen some people that, you know, dress then, I mean, yeah, they show up in full costume and all that good stuff oh yeah so speaking of bragging points i mean you you mentioned uh and and if you don't feel comfortable saying this like you know like i don't want to brag about who some of our active users are but seeing that you were a heavy metal fan if you are comfortable saying there is a particular band that definitely subscribes to coke notes
1: yeah um, if you don't
0: want to we don't have to we can tease that
1: on our website we uh you know i grew up listening to radio metal right so you have system of a down you have Linkin park you have slipknot and of course you have corn and what's really cool is corn has been pretty outspoken the members have been pretty outspoken about mental health about sobriety about faith like i mean it's it's a really cool uh script flip to see from a band like that and um corn uh brian head welch from corn bought notes subscriptions to raffle off to his fans for mental health awareness month um and it looks like we're gonna do it again this year so i'm That's really cool. really pumped up and it's like a it's a tremendous honor to get to partner with a band that i've straight up been listening to since i was like eight years old
0: same well not eight i'm sadly I'm not older <laughs> than you but uh I do have a really good dad joke about corn want to hear it i'm ready when does corn normally take a break and go on vacation? A part of May.
1: <laughs> oh, geez, <laughs> you had to think about That's that. That's good. Um, I like. For that. those of
0: you that have heard "Freak on a Leash," you're welcome. For those of you who don't, they're just like, what's so special about May?
1: I like. That. Anyway,
0: I um, I will wrap this up after. What is that famous? What is that saying after you do a good dad joke? I'll see myself out. Um, Johnny Crowder, let me, let me provide, uh, the braggadocious things that you don't do because, um, you are, you're a good dude, man. Uh, and I said that to you on, on the second time out and I was like, I wish I would have done a little bit more research on the first time I met you because, uh, I would have, um, uh, yeah, I just wanted to express a, uh, express my gratitude even then. And, and I will now, um, I, I think your journey isn't, well, it is not, I think your journey is important. Um, the fact that you want to share it and tell it makes people go, wait a second, I've been there, I've done that. Um, I think that you're a surprise to many. The fact that you are a musician and um, you have this brutal honesty, the fact that you wear your faith on your face and, and on your skin um, is, is incredible. I, like, I, I, I genuinely, for a, for a guy that's worked with kids most of his life, I just really appreciate what you're doing and, and not obviously you're working with adults too. Um, but, you know, I, I just, I, I think so much of you um, as a person, uh, respect the fact that you're a musician, um, love the fact that you're an entrepreneur, but just totally enthral the fact that you've made all those things combined and and are doing this to to bring a lot of value to people. So with that, I sincerely appreciate it. Um, obviously we talked about copenotes.com where else should they, I'm, 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 I'm going to have links to some other things, uh, some of the music, some of these other things, but where, where else should we go to find more about uh, you or copenotes?
1: Yeah. Copenotes.com is your best one-stop shop for all things copenotes. If you go to johnnycrowder.com, that's more of my speaking stuff. Um, my Ted talks should be on there as well as information about like, if you want me to come speak at your school or business or event or whatever, which I totally do let me come hang. Um, but then outside of that, I also have been trying to use LinkedIn more the last couple of years. So please add me on LinkedIn and hold me accountable. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is my favorite cereal If you've listened this far, you totally deserve to know. For a long time, it was Honeycomb. It is a classic cereal, not too sweet. Yeah. Not too, you know, not too healthy either. And you can eat like half of a box and you've only actually eaten like 46 grams of food because it's mostly air. Absolutely fantastic cereal. But I recently had, for the first time ever, apple pie Cinnamon Toast Crunch.
0: I've not had it this.
1: Change. Let me tell you something. Jesus changed my life. Sobriety changed my life. Death Metal changed my life. Treatment changed my life. And now apple pie cinnamon toast crunch
0: has changed. This my life. broadcast brought to you by Post. Dude,
1: sponsor me. I would be I, I need a <laughs> serial sponsorship like yesterday.
0: There you go. Well, we'll see if I will tag them in some Twitter and things of this nature. Although I I, I have I have one and a half more questions to bring up uh for those of you that are looking at his speaking arrangement, by the way you're gonna be in salt lake soon uh i've got a dear friend in salt lake city that you guys have to get together but johnny's coming to your town the guy's speaking engagements are all of a sudden all over the place uh so if you look there on the website see if he's gonna be in your town man connect with the guy you'll love it dude
1: i really should keep my tour dates on there because i don't have them up right now i totally need to add like what my travel schedule is
0: how presumptuous of me i thought you had that up there well yeah do I, that because when he's in your town come hang with the guy come chill
1: 100 percent.
0: yeah uh last question though are, are so people they like hey man i want, I want cope notes i want this for my kid i want this for me there's also a decent amount of entrepreneurs and enthusiasts out on here are you looking um for additional investors
1: it's a great question dude um we're not I got a decent
0: audience that's sat there listening that you know just throwing that out there.
1: How about this? We're not actively, you know, I'm not calling anybody up asking for money right now because fortunately we are bootstrapping and growing, which is like a miracle in itself. I'm very thankful for that. But if you're like, I really like this dude's idea and I want to help bring it to life, definitely shoot me an email. It's just Johnny at copenotes.com and I will I will always read an email. And try to set aside time to learn about what people have to say because the only reason that cope Notes has been successful is because random people have reached out to me and told me what they thought and tried to help so my ears are always open
0: there you go johnny that's with a y j-o-h-n-n-y at mm-hmm. copenotes.com the guest has been johnny crowder the product has been cope notes the journey has been amazing the cereal has been life-changing shout out to we'll we'll see what we can do on sponsorship on that johnny crowder thank you so so much for being on the show i appreciate you appreciate your journey thank you so much for being on
1: thank you brother